0: God let's just lift our hands to the Lord and just reverence his presence here father we love you we bless you we exalt you that's our heart lord we we want to completely surrender ourselves to you whatever you want to do however you want to do it we thank you for who you are in us we thank you Lord as we come together we Certainly remember all of our brothers and sisters on the East Coast, in Florida, Georgia, and South Carolina, God, and North Carolina, that you'll just give peace, give comfort, give testimony of your grace, your loving kindness, Lord God. Thank you for all the brothers and sisters in Haiti and the Caribbean, God, the Bahamas. Lord, you just comfort hearts, wipe away tears, oh God, cause your strength to prevail. We love you and we bless you for what you've done, what you're doing, what you're going to do. Thank you for loving us just the way that we are, but loving us too much to leave us as we are. We bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, give God praise, everybody. Praise the Lord. Before you take your seats, go ahead and hug some necks around the room, shake some hands, introduce yourself. Tell these folks who you are. Come on, make them feel welcome. Praise the Lord. So good to have all of you, and we again welcome you to this weekend that we are commencing with our Missions Expo 2016, and we're just so delighted to have all of you here, and to all of our guests, this being maybe your first time with us, we welcome you to the Bridgeway family, glad that you've come, make yourself at home, and we certainly want to Welcome all of our global partners that have come from around the world to celebrate with us what God is doing through this church called Bridgeway Christian Church. Can we clap our hands and welcome them? You saw many of them in our flag processional earlier, and we're just grateful each of those flags represent. Uh, Countries in which our church family is represented in some type of ministry So we're grateful that uh, God has not only called us to be a local church a regional church But it appears he's also using us to be a global church and we're grateful for all that he's doing through us I want to take a few moments and share Just a brief teaching before we bring some folks up that we want to introduce to you and have them share with you What God is doing around the world? I want to look at Acts 13. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn there with me to Acts 13. And I want to give you the background of this particular passage. Uh, Acts 13 literally falls right in the middle of the book of Acts. Uh, The book of Acts is really the church in its infancy. A lot of times you'll hear people say, oh, I wish we could go back to being the church in the book of Acts. Oh, uh, not so quick. Uh, that's, that's the baby church. <laughs> we, we are the continuation of the book of Acts. And prayerfully we are maturing in the things that God desires us to mature and to grow in. They were, they were the baby church, so to speak. And uh, through chapter 1 all the way up through uh, chapter 7, we find the church and its interface primarily with the Jewish religion, how the church interfaced with the Jewish religion. And then for five chapters, leading all the way up through chapter 12, for five chapters we find the church in its time of transition. There was a heavy focus on infrastructure that was taking place for five of those chapters. And then beginning here in chapter 13 all the way through chapter 28, What we find is the church and its interface with the Gentiles, or these would be the ones who are considered to be non-Jews. And it's in this place that the Apostle Luke gives us the narrative of an account that was taking place in the church of Antioch. The church of Antioch is the place in which we first find uh, believers being called Christians. So it's in Antioch that we pick it up here in verse 13... And you follow along with me. Listen to what it says in verse 1. Now, there were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers. I want you to take note of that. Prophets and teachers. It seems to place some emphasis on those particular giftings. There were prophets and teachers, and then he goes on to list them. Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manaean, a lifelong friend, And some uh, translations or commentators render that he was possibly a foster brother of Herod. It says here, a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. We know Saul as Paul. And it goes on to say, while they were worshiping or ministering to the Lord, one translation says, while they were ministering to the Lord or worshiping. The Lord and fasting. Much like what we're doing these 40 days. We're in a time of fasting and prayer and seeking the Lord. It goes on to say that the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul. Why? For the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on Paul and Barnabas. And sent them off. So note here there's a calling. That is upon Barnabas. There's a call that's upon Paul. But they're not separated out. Until what we find happening here. A time of fasting. Prayer. And seeking the Lord. And just ministry that's taking place. To God himself. The Holy Spirit is now ministering. And says now send them out. What's fascinating to me. As I look at the text, it's, it's amazing how the two teachings that are emphasized here are that of prophecy and teaching. It says there were prophets and teachers. Which suggests to me, much like what God has called this house to be, there is, in essence, a scripture-soaked, spirit-led community of people that expectantly seek transformation in their identity through Jesus Christ. Actively. And, and and it's it's powerful what's taking place here because we're not given a lot of information. We're not told what it all means when it says that they worshipped or ministered to the Lord. We're not given a lot of details. We're not told necessarily the duration of time in which they spent together. We're not necessarily given here what the format or the context of their coming together in prayer and fasting and seeking the Lord. We're not given a whole lot of information here. We we almost have to wonder what did they do. And maybe that's not so important. Maybe what Luke is wanting to emphasize to us is that, listen, folks, just get into the presence of Jesus and start ministering to him and watch what the Holy Spirit will do, regardless of the details of it. You know, I, I was thinking about that. Many of you know I come from a background of classical, African-American classical Pentecostals that uh, when I was growing up in the church... Uh, we did not have the finest of cathedrals and beautiful edifices, much like what we see here today. I was telling someone, I remember worshiping God in little small storefront churches where we had folding chairs. And we couldn't afford to put stained glass windows in like you see in the modern or the ancient cathedrals. We, we couldn't afford that. So we used to get this uh, little sticker paper that looked like stained glass and we put it up on the windows. <laughs> and, and that was our stained glass windows. But I can remember as a young man and as a child even, I remember sitting in those little storefront churches and having the elder saints get around us. And we were seeking after God. And they would get around the young people and they would speak into our lives. And they would literally prophesy. They would speak over, this is what God will call you to do. I remember that. In fact, I know that I'm standing here today because of those things being spoken over my life. I know that. And they would speak over and and they would tell us, we'd sit there and hear the word of the Lord being spoken to us. And they'd say, now just just open your mouth and say, yes, Lord. Tell the Lord, yes. And we'd sit there and we'd clap our hands and say, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, Lord. And we used to sing a song that only had one word to the song. Only one word. Uh, One word in the chorus, one word in the verse, and one word in the bridge. It was just simply, yes. That's all. It was just yes. We'd sit there and they'd say, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. And we clap our hands and say, yes, Lord, yes, God, yes, God. And it wasn't that we had the finest of homes and cars and jobs. Many of these individuals, to be frank with you, including I I think of my auntie, she she cleaned homes for people. She used to clean and babysit their children. And uh, they didn't have a whole lot. But there was a thirst within our hearts, much like what we see with these individuals, these five individuals, that said, Lord, whatever you want to do through me, I say yes to you. There was an atmosphere that was created in such a way... That the Holy Spirit could speak. Now listen, let me tell you something. Whether we're sitting in a storefront building clapping our hands and saying, yes, Lord. Or sitting many times as I have with our pastor, Pastor Lance Holm, where he'll just say, more God, more God, more of you, God. How many of you want God to just use us and do whatever he wants to do? Yes! However he wants to do it. That, that's, that's that simple openness. To what I believe again is the, the outpouring and the inflowing of the Holy Spirit. Which, which leads us to really come to affirmation as a church. And, and I say this boldly. We must never apologize for being a ministry and a church that embraces the power of the Holy Spirit. We must never apologize for that. Can I, can I tell you, family? There's no going back. We are focused on whatever God wants to do. We want to be right in the middle of it. We want to be right in the middle of it. See, that's, that's God's heart for us. And see, it's in this that we see this happening in the, in the context of the verse here. Now, the following verses, beginning here at uh, verse 4 and leading all the way down, uh, actually down to, through the middle portion there, all the way down through verse 40, we find how God will use Paul and Barnabas as they go out and in essence they will influence or impact people's lives in such a way that even governmental leaders will be drawn to the kingdom of God. Miraculously, God will demonstrate signs and wonders and, and His outpouring of His love towards the people of God in such a way that even a man who is called a pro he's a governmental leader, he will come to know the Lord Jesus as a result of the ministry of these two individuals who are sent out. But not only that, we find where God even impacts whole communities. There's a point in Scripture... ...that we find in verse uh, 26, in which we find Paul and Barnabas ministering in a synagogue. And they're preaching and declaring the Word of God. They're invited by the synagogue leaders in a second city that is called Antioch. Not the Antioch that we begin with in the beginning of the chapter, but it's a second city. And as they're there, they're ministering the gospel of Jesus Christ... And they're ministering this, the gospel being not only the the history of the Jewish people. He goes all the way back. Paul goes all the way back to the history of the Jewish people. And he takes them through a discourse in which he brings them all the way up to the crucifixion of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he doesn't stop there. He doesn't stop there, not merely stopping with the crucifixion, but he goes even further to denote the resurrection of the Lord Jesus you see, beloved, when we talk about the gospel or the good news, the good news, how many of you know the gospel is good news? Amen. When, when we speak about the gospel and the good news, it's not just talking about the cross and Jesus crucified. For to preach the whole gospel and to declare the whole gospel must also, we must also include the resurrection. Amen. See? The fact that Jesus Christ is alive. See? Anything else, everything else is invalid. Anything else that is presented. We teach wholeheartedly that the God that we serve is alive and he is well. Amen. See? And then, and, and let me throw this out to you so that you don't miss this. I believe that the gospel is not only preaching the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus, but I also believe it's preaching that Jesus is coming again. Amen. That he is coming again. See? He is coming again to judge the earth. He's coming again and those that are asleep in Him will be resurrected from the dead. See, and, and this is what Paul began to minister and pour out even in this synagogue. And God would use them even further. And notice here, as he's preaching the gospel and he's ministering this, there are some folks now that some things begin to happen in the text. Let me just skip down, if I may, down to verse uh, verse 41. And he says, look, you scoffers, be astounded and perish, for I am doing a work in your days, a work that you will not believe, even if one tells it to you. The next verse, verse 42. For they went out and the people begged. The people beg. this would be the, uh, the, the Gentiles and some uh, Jews that were there that are hearing this gospel. The people beg that these things might be told them the next Sabbath. So here's what happens. After Paul finishes ministering, all of a sudden a group of people come up to him and say, Is there any way you can come back to our church next week and preach the same thing? That you're preaching to us. Is there any way you can come back and continue to share this? As though to say, we've not heard teaching like this before. We've not heard preaching like this before. And after, notice here, after the meeting of the synagogue had broken up, many Jews and devout converts to Judaism followed Paul and Barnabas, who as they spoke with them, urged them to continue in the grace of God. In other words, as these folks came up behind Paul and Barnabas and said, Is there any way you can come back and share this message and continue to share what you're sharing with us? Paul and Barnabas' message is continue in the grace of God. Whatever you need, whatever you need God to be in your life, He's available to you. His love, His power is available to you. So notice here in the next verse, in verse 44, the next Sabbath, Almost the whole city... "...gathered to hear the word of the Lord. But when the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy and began to contradict what was spoken by Paul, reviling him. And Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly, saying, Notice it! "...it was necessary that the word of God be spoken first to you. Since you thrust it aside and judge yourselves unworthy of eternal inter- life, behold, we're turning to the Gentiles." We're turning to the rest of the world. For the Lord has commanded us saying, watch this. I have made you a light for the Gentiles that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. I have made you a light to the Gentiles that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. And when the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord. And as many as were appointed to eternal life, They believed. They believed. See, God used these two individuals who were sent out from what I might say is a missional community. A missional community, a gathering of believers who had come together, all different ethnicities, all different cultures, and some commentators even suggest even distinctive or different age groups. Multi ethnic, multicultural, multi generational, these five individuals, and from this, God would launch out a ministry that would go and touch the world. And in fact, two, two of the individuals that are mentioned there, Simeon and Lucius, uh, historians denote they were individuals of dark complexion because they were from northern Africa. I keep trying to tell y'all, we all up in here. We, we, we all up in here. I keep trying to tell y'all that. And, and they come together as, as, as partners in faith to go out and reach the world with a clear unapologetic message of the empowering of the Holy Spirit. The, the, and, and I suggest even the building of missional communities, of groupings of people that come together, not merely to drink coffee and have cookies and drink juice, but to come together to pray and encourage each other in the word and to be sent out to do the work of the kingdom. Right. See? Yes. I, I clearly see that here. And and, and and then I suggest even something further later on as a result of what takes place in the beginning of chapter 13. You find Paul even going out and God uses him to encourage people even in the area of entrepreneurial or marketplace ministry. And then later we find through his ministry that will take place through individuals such as Timothy. God will use him to equip leaders. He comes alongside young men and, and helps to equip them, to launch them out into ministry of leadership. Might I suggest to you, beloved, might I suggest to you, I believe that's what God is doing through us. I, I In fact, not only suggest to you, may I just decree to you that I believe that likewise God is empowering us as a ministry, as Bridgeway Christian Church, to be empowered believers. Yes, Scripture-soaked led by the Spirit of God, who with expectancy, we we want to be transformed. In other words, we're not comfortable with just coming to church and sitting in the seats and having a good hour and a half and then go home and leave the rest of our week out. We want the Holy Spirit to transform our lives. In such a way that there would be men and women that possibly would be those that would go forth, possibly in marketplace ministry, possibly going alongside our global partners. There may be some business persons that are in this place right now, some some folks that are in uh, the medical field, some people that have a background like myself in social work that say, I, I believe that God has empowered me with the Holy Spirit and He's also given me some experience and expertise. And what would it look like to see some of us Go forward and go alongside global partners and use the gifts and the callings that God has upon our lives. What would it look like if God would send forth teams out of here? What would it look like if a missional community in this church would say, Together, let's plan to go and travel together and go to Haiti. Let's go together to Mexico. Let's go to Russia. Let's do something. What would it look like if a missional community here would say, Let's pray and find out how we can pool our resources. And maybe we can't go, but we can send someone else. What would it look like if while our teams are going out this summer... That they know that they have men and women in this church that are praying and fasting and seeking God and saying, more God. Amen. More of you. More of what you want to do through your Holy Spirit. I believe that's the heart that God has for each and every one of us. So let, me, let me close with this. So this past week, I, uh day before yesterday, had uh, gone to Texas, to Fort Worth, Texas. Uh... I have to say this, coming back was a story in itself. We landed the night before last at about 12 o'clock, 12 midnight or so, and as our plane came down on the runway, it stopped halfway on the runway here at Sacramento International Airport, and we didn't know why it stopped on the runway. And then the pilot came on, and he says, um, we have a little problem, folks. Uh, the runway we're on, we've got a plane in front of us that's trying to take off on the same runway. And I thought to myself, yes, Lord, yes, Lord. (laughs) Talk about praying. (laughs) Thank God they moved the plane out the way. But the point that I make, I had gone to to Texas to a conference uh, for the Great Commission Research Network that was held at the Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. And it was a group of about, maybe about uh, 50, 60 or so folks that had come from all over the world. These are uh, professors, these are leaders and teachers. And uh, I was sitting at the table at a luncheon, excuse me, a banquet that was being held on Friday night. And I sat next to a man who was of Korean American descent. And he was sitting next to me. I didn't know him. He didn't know me. Or at least I didn't know him. I didn't know if he knew me or not until we started talking. And as we started having a conversation, he says, Parnell Lovelace, I've heard of you. I've heard of you. What are you doing now? I've heard that you pastor the church and, and now that God's doing some other things with you. What are you doing? And I started bragging on you all. I said, I'm at Bridgeway Christian Church and I started talking about what God is doing here. And I had my chest stuck out like a foster farm chicken talking about y'all. I was just excited. And I started saying, and God is using us, and God is pouring His Spirit out through us, and we're seeking God, and we want more of God, and we're getting into the Word, and, and, and God is launching us out to do ministry regionally and, and even globally. I said, we're getting ready to have our missions expo this, this coming weekend. And the more I talk, the more he listened, and he just started soaking it in. Now again, I didn't know him. So later in the, in the program of the event, we're sitting there, and all of a sudden, the MC goes up to the mic, and he says, you know, he does all his little preliminaries, he hands, hands out some awards and what have you, and introduces some special music. He says, now, I'd like to now introduce to you the new president of the Great Commission, uh, Great Commission Research Network, James Cho. And the man next to me jumps up and walks up to the front. I had no clue that he was the next president of the organization. So I'm sitting there, and he starts talking, and he gives this testimony. He says, I stand here today humbled to be your president because this speaks of something that God poured and presented in my life years earlier. He says, I had gone to a meeting. I had gone to a meeting where there were pastors and other missionaries and church leaders. And they sat me down in a chair and one of the men who was in the room at the time as they sat me in the middle of the room and began to pray for me began to prophesy. He says, I don't know how many of you because this is a very conservative seminary. Okay, he says, I don't know how many of you yet believe in prophecy. He says, but this man prophesied and he says, James, you're going to be a surfer. And he thought a what? You know, he thought it was going to be a real big prophecy. Something real heavy, you know, something. God is going to use you to be an apostle to the nations. No, he says, God's going to use you to be a surfer. And he said, that was all that the man said. He said, it wasn't until years later that the Lord gave him the understanding of what was being told to him. Because you see, beloved, prophecy... According to 1 Corinthians 14 and 3, it exhorts, it edifies, and it comforts. He said the word that was spoken to him, you're going to be a surfer. God gave him this revelation that it had nothing to do with getting out on the water, (laughs) but rather it spoke of his calling, that he would be one who would be postured and fixed in such a way that he would discern The waves of God. He would discern the crest. And the shifts. And the moves. And the flow of God. And God would give him wisdom and discernment on which wave to catch. So that ministry would be sustainable. But I suggest to you. That beloved that's what God is doing in us. He's helping us to catch the wave. And to posture ourselves so that ministry is sustainable. People are being transformed and changed by the power of the Holy Spirit. I want you to give somebody a high five and say, let's go surfing. Come on, say, go, let's go surfing. Let's go surfing. All we have to do is say yes to the Lord. That's all we have to do is just say yes to the Lord. God no matter what my fears are I I don't listen I was talking to Pastor Lance about this we ain't, we we don't have all this figured out how is it that we are a local church and then we're a regional church and then we look around and now we're a global church how do we do all of this See it's not us doing it It's the Holy Spirit doing it through us All we're doing is being open vessels You receive that word come on give God praise if you do Just say yes to God. Whatever He's telling you to do. Marketplace ministry. Going on some of the teams this summer. Maybe just giving. We have a few individuals in our church that are selling everything just to go out and do the work of the Lord. They're giving up houses. They're giving up jobs just to go out and do the work of the kingdom. Whatever God tells you to do. Just say yes to Him. The power of the Holy Spirit will guide you. He'll lead you. I want to encourage you also to note this. We, we may not all be able to go, but we can all pray. We can all pray. And we, listen, and we can all so give. We can also support the work of the ministry through our gifts, our financial support. Again, it doesn't take a lot. But it takes everyone who gives together and says, as a part of this family, as a part of this, this missional community, this gathering of people, I want to be able to sow and to give into the work of the kingdom so that lives can be transformed, people can be helped and encouraged and helped through the ministry of the gospel. We all can do that. We're going to pray in just a moment and the usher is going to come forward. And this is our opportunity to give generously, liberally, cheerfully, with hearts open to God. See, a moment ago I said, whatever God tells you to do, just say yes. And y'all, y'all's hands went up. Yes, Lord. And I want you to be the same way about your money. Yes, Lord. <laughs> yes, Lord. Whatever you have called us to do, we will do so generously, cheerfully, and with open hearts. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. We bless you. We thank you. Our hearts say yes to you. <laughs> like our pastor, we say more God. God more of you Lord, more of your presence, more of your anointing, more of your joy, more of your peace, more of your healing, but not merely for us, but for people all around the world. Use us Lord to be conduits of your love and your care in Jesus name. Amen.